Public health is a population-based field of science focused on preventing disease and promoting health. Every week, we will be engaging in interactive discussions and analyses of the latest public health issues affecting you and your communities all around the world. This is the Public Health Insight Podcast. Before we move on, it is important to note that the views expressed in this podcast are our own and do not represent any of the organizations we work for or are affiliated with. Ben, Gordon, Sully, and Will are joined by Linda, Rose, and T. Natalie in part two of our two-part State of the Union Roundtable series, co-hosted by the Focused Health Collective and Public Health Insight. In this episode, we will continue our discussions from the previous episode, part one, about exposing all forms of racism, prejudice, and discrimination in society. In particular, we talk about moving beyond initial discomfort for a more open dialogue on the topic of racism to the need to sustain the momentum generated by societal outrage to achieve long-term meaningful change. We will also share some powerful TV shows and movies that can serve as good educational tools about the subject of anti-black racism in the context of the United States. It's like people are trying to change the narrative and change a conversation to whatever suits them and like take right, away cool. from what we we all should actually focus on and to you just try to change the even... conversation bro i'm gonna pop off especially like <laughs> go ahead like, man, man like, <laughs> I, what pisses me i want off, you to pop off Let's no go. like what pisses me off is it's like the whole you know it's like the whole all lives matter thing oh my god oh like, my god like everyone who's been kind of just perpetuating that message has completely missed the mark and not understood like what the like black lives matter is supposed to be trying to um i guess get at right i think it's important to highlight though that it speaks to just a larger issue of if you're used to having your experiences seeing yourself centered all the time Mm -hmm. to hear another narrative that does not center your lived experience is jarring it's shocking it's uncomfortable you're going to be defensive and for many people who are not racialized or are not part of a minority the issue of racism is dead it's like racism is owning slaves we don't do that anymore so it doesn't exist it's not in their reality so like when these issues come up and people are sharing their lived experiences so many people want to just like clap back and say no racism doesn't exist i'm not racist that's not my lived experience and so like i think that's why we see well no all lives matter because to say black lives matter is a threat it changes a narrative it doesn't center the dominant narrative mm-hmm. and so it's really easy to get riled up and i think anger is is a positive like it's an emotion feel the anger but also to remember that i think this is it's a hum- it's also a human problem like if you're used to being having that power and that privilege, you don't just easily give it up. And mm-hmm. so that's why we will talk about kneeling to protest police brutality or to protest black people being killed. And it flips to actually, this is offensive to me because of the flag. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. that was not the conversation to begin with. Right. And I don't know how to, I guess have conversations where you can meet eye to eye, but often it feels like we're talking about completely different issues. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'll, I think also too with the, the Drew Brees situation, part of you know what he said struck me because it goes to a bigger conversation when I try to talk with um, like my white friends or white colleagues 
But that idea with him saying, you know, what he thought the kneeling was about, mm. for him to say that if he had said the opposite, you know, if you open that can of worms, I'm thinking about Drew Brees, like that mm. is forcing you to look at or just to really examine the foundations of your own belief systems. Mm. And I think that's a harder um, discussion to have. I think it's easier to just say, oh, it's not a big deal, you know. Let's move on. But to really have those dialogues about race and um, history and, you know, priding yourself on being a military family, that's great. But your experience looks completely different for someone else. Um, mm. I think that's that's it's a challenge. And I think that makes it difficult for us, us black people, white people to have real conversations because it challenges you um, both sides, you know, to a certain extent. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine. Um, recently, and I, I was saying, you know, I think part of the issue here is just can we have dialogue? Like, if I'm talking mm-hmm. to you about race, does not mean that I'm calling you a racist, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, that's not what I'm saying, but can we acknowledge our history? Can we acknowledge our differences? Um, and the very few <laughs> white ally friends that I have, um, we've been able to have those tough conversations. Um, where it's not a blame game, um, where they share their own, you know, family history growing up in the South, um, you know, and they, they, they've openly shared that with me. And I think it's, it's, it's okay to talk about these things because I would assume that if, you know, you are an adult and your family is from Georgia and you're white, there is most likely some... Mm racism going on back there somewhere right mm-hmm. um so let's acknowledge it let's put it out there let's talk about how you know that may or may not have impacted you and i can appreciate my friends who've been able to um and not just recently but have always been able to engage in those types of conversations um but i i think it's, it's a challenge it's a challenge because when you start talking about race i don't I think it goes straight to defense mode. Like, oh, no, 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 let's not do that. Um, I think maybe that's where Drew Brees was maybe trying to tiptoe that line, um, which is its own issue. You play football, you have black teammates. I I was just like, wow. Right. (laughs) You know, also, one of the arguments that is used that it's almost like a, a medal of honor that, you know, some white people use is they'll say, I don't see color thinking, thinking that, and the idea is that it, they think that it will make them good because they can see you for who you are. But if you exactly. don't see that I'm black, you don't know that I get discriminated against when I go to work, when I go to school, when I go to, you know, to some government agency to fill out some documents, you don't know that I'm experiencing racism if you just see me as a normal person so right. to not to see me as just me means that you don't understand that the system is essentially rigged so that i fail and you succeed and that is problematic as well because right. who wants to see that right right yeah it's uncomfortable <laughs> so i had something in a similar uh situation where i where i live and where i've grown up a majority of my life is predominantly white compared to like you know my younger youth or whatever grew up in like the gta area pretty diverse um and then i had moved and i had childhood friends 
And it was one of those things, I don't see color, um, her parents, like, there was never really a discussion or dialogue about um, different races. And I understand the intent behind it, that it's like, okay, we want to see people as people. And we'd be friends for a while. And it wasn't until we had reached um, young adulthood I had taken her back to the GTA to meet my family. And when we had gotten back home, she had said that she finally sees what black people see on a regular basis because in this situation, she was the minority. Mm. Mm -hmm. I think one thing that I think this whole experience that I've reflected upon is that with the issue of racism and everything like that, like what kind of Rose mentioned earlier about having those discussions, what I really hope at least a portion of what comes out of what's going on right now is that individuals can use this as an opportunity to to do some self-reflection and recognize their own biases. Because I think for myself, um, even just over the last week with what's going on in the news, I think I've taken the opportunity at least to look inward and and re- recognize that you know I've I've had racist thoughts I've had um, you know I, I've had prejudices and just discriminated and stuff like that and I think it's obviously those those things are are wrong and are bad mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it's I think it's it's part of that um, bridging process where you mm-hmm. know in order to make change in order to see change and hopefully have a future where where we can you know achieve equity I think individuals need to need to recognize that and and see it as um, something that that is wrong and actually make an effort to to address it yeah thanks for sharing that will i think the important thing to note here is racism is some kind of implicit or explicit bias someone can have okay when you have a, a bias about something that's not necessarily race that's still a bias. So race is simply just a bias that you have that has something to do with the color of someone's skin. So everyone experiences bias about gender. Oh, women aren't as good of drivers, you know, blah, 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 blah. Everyone has had some kind of thought that or stereotype of a group of people based on no evidence, okay? Racism, all racism is, is that you do the same concept, but then you just judge someone for the color of their skin, so let's own, I think what Will's trying to say is everyone should own everything. It's not about pointing fingers about I've never had a racist thought, so I'm better than you. You need to be fired. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. That's not what we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. People who have actively discriminated and harmed people need to be held accountable. But we have to understand that if we do put a policy in place who you can't discriminate against, what you're trying to say is police who still might feel that they're superior to black people are no longer going to be um, given a free pass for killing them. That does not solve the issue of implicit racism and bias. So I just want to make that clear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to uh, posit a question to the group in the sense of when we said, I don't see color and there's a lot of talk about acknowledgement. I wanted to see what your guys take was on tokenism in the sense of when you try to bring up white privileged individuals who don't believe in it, their argument for it as well well would look at obama and oprah and all these other successful black people they were able to make it do you think that they were successful because they put themselves in these moments where they thought about racism and i understand that this is very much buying into the whole merit-based achievement ideologies of the american dream 
and it it ignores existing political and structural barriers that people of color face. And I was just wondering what your experiences have been or what hot takes you have on that. I'll, I'll add to it before I pass it on, Ben. I think another element to that discussion is what I also hear is, oh, I'm a poor white person and I'm not complaining as much as you. But what mm. you have to understand is you are not in that position because of the color of your skin. So that's a very important thing that and mm. that that always comes back. You know, there's pe- white people living in poverty. There's black people living in poverty. Keep in mind, black people face different social factors that put them in a position that they are now. White people also face social factors that put them in a position where they are. But racism is not one of them. So racism is is, you know, there, there's constants such as income, equality, education, um, but the narrative is being shifted to racism as a public health issue because racism in of itself, like you're saying, Will, is a social determinant of health. Wealthy black people still experience discrimination, this, despite the fact that maybe they're healthy, they have a great education, they have you know a lot of money, and they still experience um, some negative health outcomes. So it just shows that racism in of itself as much as it might be an invisible thing that you can't really put your hand on it, it does affect people's emotional and well-being. I think when people bring up, you know, Obama or Oprah, it's in an attempt to kind of dismiss that there are systems that work to favor certain races over another. And it's like, well, if one person did it, why couldn't you? But Mm. everybody has experiences of privilege or oppression in terms of it could be class privilege or Mm. you know you have more education so that affords you more opportunities i think everybody can understand that concept but when you bring it back to okay but the color of your skin also dictates certain types of experiences or access issues that you can experience for some reason that becomes so controversial and so i don't know i don't really understand why people think that, you know, throwing in Obama or Oprah negates the lived experiences of everybody else who's been saying this is their lived experience. But maybe it just goes back to not wanting to feel uncomfortable and not wanting to acknowledge that there's a problem. Yeah, that's a great point, Linda, because I've been watching a lot of videos. And again, because I am I identify as black, it doesn't mean I'm an expert on black issues, just like everyone else. I, too, have to go back and learn. I wasn't around in the 60s. I wasn't around in 1920s. I have to go back and also educate myself. And one of the things I've been finding is that um, to challenge someone on racism and they're getting from denial to acceptance mirrors the five stages of grief, which are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And that's what you're saying, Linda. It's almost like when I bring this issue to you, okay, racism is an issue. There's always denial. Then there's anger that you are maybe taking the power away then there's bargaining in the sense of okay let's throw these people a bone maybe they'll go away and then when you break through all those barriers finally you can get to a point of acceptance where um, they don't necessarily agree with the privilege and power that is being lost but they're kind of resigned to the fact that the overwhelming majority of people is saying that this is the right thing to do okay so this has been a sensitive you know, topic in, you know, as much as we're all hurt and despite our race or ethnicity, um, we must be the change that we want to see. So I want to emphasize that. So let's talk about some of the 
the first steps that need to happen before any kind of long-term sustained change is achieved. And maybe we'll start with what are some of the outcomes that each of you would like to see from this? It could be short-term outcomes or long-term outcomes. I personally would like to see healing happen um, collectively as a Black community. There's been a lot of trauma. Racism is a trauma, and it's something that we don't often speak of. Perhaps maybe in our most like intimate relationships we will, but you don't necessarily share it because it feels uncomfortable. It's shameful. It's, it makes you feel less than. And so... Lately, when all of this has surfaced, I've seen people sharing their experiences and not to force anyone to share, but I think feeling safety or feeling that freedom to share can promote healing and we can lean on each other. You know, it's like you're not the only one who's gone through this. Um, You have a community to support you. And that's an important point, Linda, because one of my issues with this whole thing is when it wasn't status quo to support black people telling their stories about racism, um, they didn't receive as much support. Their friends weren't there to back them. The companies weren't there to back them. Organizations, governments weren't there to back them. But now it's kind of in vogue to be pro-black. So now everyone feels comfortable to come out and we condemn racism and da 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 and all on all this stuff. But and one of the posts I, you know, I've been sharing a lot more and being more vulnerable. And one of the things I've been stressing is when this hashtag goes to the 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 one thousandth most popular hashtag by the end of the year, this level of momentum needs to stay the same. Um, it it need, the status quo needs to move from oh well, I mean racism, whatever, to just it's just condemned period outright. No matter if it's November, December, October. Whatever the day is, whatever day of the 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 month, whatever month of the year, just condemn, and that we need to make this the status quo. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll add on to that. I think for me, in the short to to midterm range, what I'd like to see is us move from um, what Gordon said, like hashtags, um, to actual tangible support. You know, even today I was out in D.C. I think it's you know, it's great to see so many people are out um, and, and voicing their opinions and showing support to this cause and to this movement. But I guess the cynic in me is like, OK, what happens in August? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, are you going to show up for me? Mm-hmm. Um, are you still going to promote Black Lives Matter? How is this going to change how we work together or, you know, we go to church together? Like, how long will this last? Um, mm-hmm. You know, and it's 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 unfortunate that my thoughts kind of went there mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. today, but they did. Because while I'm sure we have so many allies that exist, it's just also pointing to ask, you know, where were you two weeks ago? Um, you know, I didn't see you rallying behind the cause i didn't Mm -hmm. see you supporting the movement i think Mm -hmm. about like the nfl putting out the statement yesterday but just you know colin kaepernick doesn't have a job Mm -hmm. and you know what he went through um so while i'm excited to see corporate entities and even my own company put out a statement against racism 
Um, what I like to see is is that shift from this is being this is trendy and this is the cool thing to say um, mm-hmm. to actually implementing changes you know, in our systems and moving things actually moving them them forward i think we can talk about this in circles i think we can hashtag this to death Mm -hmm. but you know there's still a part of me that is hopeful i guess you know that this is the beginning of something amazing that's one thing my girlfriends and i talked about today was you know 50 years from now you know i hope we can look back and say you know Mm. this was the start of something Mm -hmm. um and not just you know a hashtag that six months from now you can't find on twitter yeah (laughs) yeah the reason why i'm very optimistic right now is because like now we're getting beyond the point of recognizing the problem which was like that's a huge step in Mm -hmm. and of itself and now we can begin talking about implementable solutions and you know solutions that will be very impactful in the short term medium term long term periods of time i'm not fairly opt- i'm i'm a little bit optimistic just mm-hmm. like, <laughs> okay. i'm really cynical it's a little bit of hope but i'm also looking at them with a the side eye like yeah, yeah. Okay. right yeah, it's like, <laughs> so what does that statement really mean <laughs> Let's dissect. right yeah it's a it's, it's a, a guarded guarded, guarded optimism. optimism right right yeah, you know, well good. said yes yeah, but so it's there to be that to have that guarded optimism because I mean look at history, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? So I mean it's fair to say like yeah I hope all this is gonna change but if history shows that it's like one step forward, two steps back kind of thing like we'll give you a little bit but we're not gonna go all the way. Mm. So, I mean, I think that's fair. I think a lot of people are feeling like that. Like, what's going to happen when there's a new trending topic or hashtag or whatever? Are we still going to have the same support? Yeah, it all goes back to, like, if we are able to keep the momentum or not. That's a great point, too, because in in November, if nothing gets delayed, there will be an election in the United States. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, <laughs> yeah, right? So... Um, myself and my fellow black people in North America across the world would be very heartbroken if this this gentleman gets back into office. It would be a it would be a big f u to a lot of people. It would suggest that people wouldn't say and act as they really should act. You know, they're marching with you in the protest, but then their pen is gonna go a different way at the mm-hmm. voting booth. There's something when you have hope, and I think that's what everyone is saying. I don't want to go all the way in on hope because I'm going to go to a place if you desert me when I need you at that moment to elect our leaders and not just the president, all levels of government. If that goes the way it shouldn't go, a lot of people are going to be heartbroken and there's going to be a lot of pain in that. So I I will say that. Gordon, at the same time, though, like Mm -hmm. I agree to an extent, but at the Mm -hmm. same time, I've also... Um, just seeing conversations saying it's not even so much of this particular person in that seat in mm. the White House, but the system that allowed that type of rhetoric mm. to then be said by the person in charge. And so, yeah. and maybe this is also my cynical side, but it's like, sure, you know, change the party, change the leader, but mm. the system is still there. And right. that is the issue. So, no, I, I agree. One of my biggest um, cynical moments is that. 
this movement is great, but I fear that it's just going to make the racists hide in the woodwork again without changing anything. Mm-hmm. Or turn it into just a political right-left debate. Exactly. Right. Because in, on the opposite end of the spectrum, Ben, mm-hmm. when um, I'll call him DT um, was elected, um, when he when he was elected, um, it gave a voice to the racist. Um, they started coming out. It's, so it's, it's a similar, it's the opposite end of the spectrum where he gave a platform to a lot of people who had a very cynical belief of the world, racist view, and they came out. So now this movement is giving a voice to people who deserve to be heard. And you almost wonder now, like um, what you said, Ben, they'll go back in hiding and come out again when the time is right, when they think they can win. So mm. I think it's just, it has to be a sustained thing. I think uh, it can't be uh, just a protest every week and, you know, you know, um, former president obama um did talk about the issue and he said all elements in terms of civil rights are important it's not that you shouldn't protest or go to your lawmakers all you need to do all these things so i think there needs to be um and i'm hoping that maybe the youth of today's society will ensure that things will never go back to the way they were because the way they were it wasn't good I'll say that that is one thing that does give me hope is is seeing the next generation um, of activists because they they're they're out here they're loud um, and, and they're making sure that they're heard so that that gives me um, some sense some sense of hope I think about two for here in Maryland so I live right across the border in Maryland um, we just had our election day was this past Tuesday for the primaries and I think about how many people I know who didn't vote then Mm. you know Mm -hmm. and it's it's worrisome for me (laughs) thinking about November Mm -hmm. um but I I think someone said said it is is sustaining the movement is is going beyond just today but looking at all of the the systems that got us here um, and dismantling a system isn't going to happen overnight. It's a, it's right. a huge charge. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, at least for me personally, I believe in the power of the votes. <sighs> Even if, you know, you might get someone in power and, you know, hopefully not whatever we have right now. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, you know, there's still issues within, you know, our political system. We know that we, um, but I, Oh, man, I just hope November comes around and it's, it's a good day. I think one thing, um, someone said something that triggered a thought for me, which just kind of took me back to the 2016 election. I think once we got the breakdown of votes, mm. um, or you kind of looked at the numbers across race, sex, it was really eye-opening for me to see the the support that you know got him elected. And it was... Like, wow, okay, so you might be in the fight with me today, as you say, right. but clearly in the ballot box, um, mm. you felt something else. So right. that's where the cynicism still lies for me, even today, seeing all of the Black Lives Matter posters. Because um, I think about, you know, come election day, who are you really going to vote for? Mm. But, you know, it's, it's a little bit of hope, a little, a little bit of hope. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so Anna. On a lighter note, so I, um, 
one of the crucial first steps that I think should happen for everybody, unless you're a PhD academic that's been studying this for 50 years, um, is, is education. Um, we have to understand, in order to understand what's wrong and how to fix something, we need to know the history of it. So um, what I've been doing is I've been going through and looking at kind of you know educational resources, whether it's in the form of storytelling through TV shows, movies, documentaries, and books. And, you know, when I do get asked questions on, oh, what can I do? I My plan is to then say, hey, there's a good TV show on Netflix that can give you some perspective, um, not to advertise for Netflix, of course, but, you know, just to say, okay, check this out. I'll throw out my two suggestions. And if you guys have any books or YouTube series or Netflix series that you're watching just for the audience, we can throw those out and uh, for those who want to educate themselves. Um, two important things on Netflix. It's not going to cover the full uh, spectrum of the black experience, of course, but um, When They See Us and 13th on Netflix by Ava DuVernay, I highly recommend as a starting point uh, in terms of historical systemic racism. Um, that's a good point to start. I think those are great suggestions, um, 13th and When They See Us. I personally have not been engaging um, currently. I just feel that it's a lot of emotional labor and right, not right. prepared yet. So, um, I wanted to talk about what's that show that I heard about today with Kerry Washington on Netflix? Is it American Son? Uh, yes, yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that would be something interesting to watch as well. Um, I know a lot of people, it's about like her and her husband, they have a biracial child. Um, and I guess it's the husband doesn't acknowledge or like realize that his son, although yes, he is half white, he's also half black and people are going to see him as black. I think that's also um, something that would be good to watch. Because I do, ha- I well, I do know of a lot of people that have biracial children, but it's like it hasn't clicked in yet that these are things that their children will be exposed to. Hmm. Um, I'll add the movie Just Mercy. Oh, oh my God. Uh, God! With Michael B. Jordan and Danny Fox. Yes, that's a brilliant movie. Um, I think. Um, for me, also, you know, what I learned from American history was, you know, in textbooks and my own personal research. Mm-hmm. But um, it really, the movie really puts you there mm-hmm. um, and, and, and kind of helps you to have a better understanding of the history of race in our judicial system here in the States. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and how that legacy and history um, still lingers, right? And and, and mm-hmm. so how it is still built today. Um, so amazing movie. I would definitely recommend that to anyone who's wanting to to learn a little bit more. Yeah, I third I third that for sure. And um, <laughs> for those listening, if if you want, we can put out a list of our recommendations, and um, you can get started and let us know what you think. Hold on, yes. I just wanted to add. All of those suggestions listed, none of them are feel-good movies or shows. No. So just like eat yeah, popcorn. yeah, so just be prepared. It 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 will move you. You will probably want to talk it out, and you know it'll be uncomfortable. But go in recognizing that it will be uncomfortable. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, That's a good, I also add, sorry, um, no, I just added this book, uh, checked it out from the library, um, White Fragility. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really curious to see what um, that's about. Some folks have recommended it on LinkedIn. Um, so I would, I haven't read it yet, so I can't vouch for it, for it mm-hmm. but um, it's been kind of thrown out there as an interesting read. Mm-hmm. And so ju- just to add, um, like, like I also highly, highly um, like to recommend Just Mercy. Um, so I, I heard recently that the movie has been made free mm, with that's a good, good information the death of george floyd as a way to um educate people even just on one aspect of systematic racism so i think that's you know it's definitely nice to have a free movie such a good movie yeah, yeah. oh and it's while we're on watch but so good mm-hmm. yes yeah. yes it's a, it's there's some tough moments in there but just like you know the death of george floyd we got to con- confront reality mm-hmm. um while we're on the topic of Michael B. Jordan, um, Fruville Station is another. Um, I, it's not a good watch in terms of oh my god, I feel good. It's just it's a good um, depiction of um, a similar incident where an unarmed African American man was was killed. So um, that's that's a good watch as well. Thank you for coming on, uh, Rose, Linda, and Tanadli, and joining us at the Public Health Insight for this important discussion. Um, Hopefully, I mean, I would love to have more of these again, but not under these same circumstances, just just to make that clear. Thank you you so much for having us. We must ensure that this outrage generated by George Floyd's death and many more before him is channeled appropriately to get justice for everyone who has been murdered by the choking grip and heavy knees of longstanding systemic racism, prejudices, and discrimination. The momentum should continue all the way to the voting booths, where people should exercise the rights afforded to those living in a democracy. Society has awakened to a roar, and it appears, at least for now, that there is hope. It will not be acceptable to ever go back to normal, because normal is what got us into trouble in the first place. Thanks for listening. Remember, public health is a field of inquiry and an arena for action, to improve lives one population at a time. This has been the Public Health Insight Podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please drop us a like and follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or your podcast platform of choice. You can also send us your questions, comments, and suggestions for discussion topics at thepublichealthinsight.gmail.com. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.